Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have CEO and founder of Iron Tribe Fitness, podcast host, father, husband, Christian, and leader, Forrest Walden. Forrest, it's an honor to have you here today. Matthew, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so glad to have you. And and obviously, Iron Tribe has, has done an incredible job here in the Birmingham community, especially. But originally, you started, uh, this was a hobby, and you turned it into a, a business model that not only became a business, but, but then a franchise model. Uh, tell us a little bit how you got started. Well, I got started... 1996, I'm seriously dating myself here, uh, that was uh, training at Auburn, and I just did it for fun. I was a competitive bodybuilder. People would ask me how to get in shape. So started as a passion and uh, doing it for free. And then I got out of school, started training people, and ultimately realized I was trading time for money. Read a, a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and uh, it was an eye-opener for me that I was trading time for money and started thinking through how do I create leverage within the one-on-one delivery of a service. And that led me to finding a franchise opportunity out of Denver, Colorado called Fitness Together. So I actually invested in that, opening my first uh, studio. In fact, next month will be 20 years, June 4th, 2001. And I grew that to six studios that I owned and operated here in Birmingham. And then I bought the master franchise rights to Alabama, Florida, North Carolina and grew that concept to 55 locations in three states, uh, my three states. It was nationwide. Um, but I sold all that in 2010 to start over with Iron Job. So yes, it was a passion because I had guys come into my garage and working out. I had never really experienced group fitness. Everything I'd always done had been one-on-one personal training. And when I experienced group, and I saw the power of uh, community and camaraderie inside the expression of fitness. I thought, man, this is the future. This is what I want to do. So I sold everything I had built back and literally, I think it was January of 10 and Open Iron Tribe February of 10. So I already had it built in the background, went to my CEO, said, this is what I'm going to do. So he bought everything back from me. And then I started over in 2010 in Homewood, which we call the mothership um, with the first location. That's awesome. And so from that standpoint, you've just grown throughout. Are, are you all over the state of Alabama? Or are you all over the Southeast? Where, where are your locations? Yeah, so we have five uh, that we own and operate here in Birmingham. I'm a big believer in operating our own brand and uh, being operators of the model that we're supporting. Um, and then we also have another 29 locations throughout the Southeast that are franchised and um, 12 different states, um, some in Alabama, you know, like a Tuscaloosa, Huntsville, things like that. And then uh, anyway, mostly Southeast. We have one in Wisconsin. That's kind of the outlier. Okay. Gotcha. So from that standpoint, you have a uh, essentially a four pillars uh, mindset in life about being sound in body, being balanced in business. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, this is something uh, that I've learned and something that, that I actually coach. I have a coaching business on the side. Uh, if you can't tell, I like to create things. Uh, but I just see this a lot with entrepreneurs who have traded their bodies or traded their marriages or traded their connection with God in pursuit of building something significant. And uh, I'm not going to lie, building something significant really does take all of who you are. But if you sacrifice those other domains um, in the pursuit of business, you will lose it all. 
and dealt with so many entrepreneurs who have great businesses but are eaten up with type 2 diabetes or obesity or are on their third or fourth marriage or have absolutely zero connection to their kids or to God or are sedating through all kinds of forms, alcohol, porn, you name it. Um, and they've really surrendered their lives at the altar of business. And I fundamentally believe that we are called to build and expand. You know, one day we're going to come back, whether the two talent or the five talent, and we're going to say, here's my two. I made two more. Um, and we're going to hear well done. So I believe there's beauty in the call of producing and work. But I also think that we're called to be so much more than just uh, business leaders. We're called to be great husbands, great dads. We're and probably first and foremost, right? Even before business, like if we're not squared away at home, what we do at work really doesn't matter. And if we're not squared away in our relationship with Christ, what we do at work doesn't matter. And um, if our bodies are not you know, weaponized with energy and passion, we have nothing to serve with. So, yeah, I always say that, you know, I want to be. Uh, and I want to surround myself with four dimensional men and those who are wanting to have it all across body, being balanced in business. And so ultimately, uh, you're living um, a comprehensive life and uh, one that can truly create sustainable impact. That's fantastic. And I, I do think that that is so important because I see successful people all the time that they're really good at business or they're really good at taking care of their body. They're really good at at one small aspects, but uh, if they don't have all of those things in, in the, to me, the most critical aspect is that relationship with God. If they don't have that, then it's really hard to get all the rest of it right. Yes. But if they do have that and they continue to focus on all of those things, then there is purpose. And, and from that standpoint, there's so many people that are walking around with tons of money, tons of success, but they can't figure out why they're unfulfilled. So how did you come up with this mindset or have you always been walking with the Lord? I mean, what, what's that relationship look like? How long has that been going on? Yeah, I can remember praying to receive Christ as a nine-year-old. Grew up in a strong Christian home. My dad taught Bible at Briarwood. You know, I was homeschooled for a while, devotions before school. Oh, but my journey's been circuitous and uh, God has been faithful to call me back. Every time I've tried to drift, he has just let me know that you're different. You're mine. You're called. It's not fun to get drunk. It's not fun to chase girls. And I'm going to make you miserable when you try to do it. Um, and, you know, the front and, and so I've, li- I've been a Christian my entire life and I'm really walking strong with the Lord since my junior year in college where there was just a pivotal rededication. OK, God, I've tried all these other things. I'm miserable. You said I would be like I remember telling him, I'm going to read the Bible and pray for 30 days. And if you don't change my life, you're not real. That's a very dangerous prayer. And boy, did my life change. Um, but the frame of body being balanced in business, like I was putting all these pieces together and I joined the coaching program. I'm a huge continuing education junkie. Um, and one of the programs that has meant the most to me has been Wake Up Warrior, a guy named Garrett White, who uh, if you're familiar with him, you'd probably be like, how can you say that as a believer? Because he is in your face, F-bombs, tattoos, drives a Lamborghini. He's just like, Everything you think I would be repelled for from, but there was a message for me in his coaching. He really kind of woke me up and said, he's really the one that gave me the frame for that four-dimensional conversation. Because what you said about men who don't have the spiritual connection, I think it's equally as true. What people don't talk about is inside of the church, there's a lot of men who are connected spiritually and are building nothing with their life. And so you got a guy who's a type A hard charger and he goes to church and he's bored. And he doesn't see anyone who's like laying it all on the line and sacrificing his one and only life to advance the kingdom 
And so there's just nothing that resonates with that guy. And so I want to be around men who, yeah, I'm excited about Jesus, but I'm also excited about what he's telling me to build. Look what I'm building. Look who I'm leading. Oh, and now look what I'm giving and look how my life matters across the landscape of human history. So I think there's there's kind of missing elements on both sides. I absolutely agree. I think that that there is the gospel of Jesus Christ is amazing. But, you know, seeing it walked out and seeing somebody whose life has been transformed and seeing, hey, that person is is going out and they are doing something with the words that they've just been been taught about, you know, that they're not just hearing a message on Sunday and then not living it out on a daily basis. They're not doing anything to advance the kingdom of God. That That is a reason why you see a lot of people that are in church on a weekly basis not really doing anything because they don't see it modeled over and over. And, and I think that the, you know, you've got a lot of people that are in business that are Christian that, that don't really share that faith. They're, they're there and, and it's, it's hidden. And, you know, if you have a conversation one-on-one, then they're willing to share those things with you. But, but there aren't a lot of people that are vocal about, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is I'm going to live my faith on a daily basis. If you like that, come be a part of it. If you don't like that, we're we're not for you. And that's okay. But I I do think that that is a challenge. So uh, from that standpoint, how do you think people get more encouragement to do that? How do you think people obviously, you know, by getting coached by somebody like you or or something along those lines. But but what do you think it's going to take for more men to rise to that occasion and be that good steward that God's called us all to be? Well, more is caught than taught. And so to your point, you have to see it, right? And so you have to have people in your world who are living it. And what I find over and over, and again, we're talking about men here, is they're isolated and they're sedated. They don't have accountability groups. They don't have men in their lives who can ask them the hard questions. There's no one, you know, as leaders, we hold everybody else accountable, uh, yet we don't hold ourselves accountable. And what I think men have to do is to live what they lead and not to expect anything more from anybody else um, than what they expect from themselves. In fact, hold themselves to the highest standard. Um, So in my life, I make sure I create several layers of accountability. There's men I get away with every quarter. There's uh, one man in particular I have lunch with every month. There's a weekly Bible study with four men who all have 100% license to ask me tough questions. And these are all guys who are walking with the Lord, building things with their lives, solid in their marriage, solid, solid as a dad. And they're also doing things for the kingdom that motivate me. I've got a fit, one friend in particular who his goal this year is to give away a staggering amount of money. And so when I'm around him, I don't feel generous. I feel like, oh gosh, I thought I was doing a lot. Look at this guy. I mean, he's got you know several six-figure number he's going to give away this year. Those are the kind of guys I want to be around so that, you know, my little, oh, oh great, I tithe, you know, there's another level. And it's not a comparison. It's just a, it's a motivator for uh, guys I want to be around and guys who are living all out again in all four domains. Well, so uh, we know that biblically it says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. And and men, especially, I believe uh, they, they need to be called out. They need to be held accountable. They need to be challenged and, and have their toes stepped on sometimes. And I do think that that's extremely important. And so from that standpoint, you know, Iron Tribe, you you guys, you build a community so that there is that account. It's not just working out. It's it is a community that's strengthening one another in all aspects of these you know, in, in their lives. Uh, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, 
we don't, I'm just not, I'm not a believer of uh, Ithaca Fish logos and putting out, hey, I'm a Christian business owner. You should do business with me. We don't, there's nothing really front and center we do other than our annual workout for water, which is very clearly for Never Thirst, which is a Christian organization. Um, but I want to win them over with excellence. I feel like as Christians, the work we do and the attitudes we have should make people pause and ask what makes these guys different. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not forward facing other than in the people we hire and in our core values that we aspire to as a team. Uh, but ultimately, again, I just want to win them over through excellence and then allow that platform to create ways uh, to minister. You know, we've had Bible studies forming uh, in almost every gym we've had. We use our church, our gyms as church plant startups when they're looking for space. Um, I could give you story after story of the ways we've been able to think outside the box. Um, one of my favorite testimonials, we were at our workout for water event. Uh, and this event over 10 years have, has raised over four and a half million dollars for Never Thirst, which is a nonprofit I started that brings clean uh, and living water to some of the hardest to reach and least evangelized places on earth. But we were at this event and this lady came up to me and she said, I just want you to know uh, I moved here from Nashville. I didn't know anybody. And I really thought I would just plug in to Iron Child for maybe two or three months, learn how to do it and then work out on my own. And she said, first of all, I'm not leaving. Um, and second of all, of all places to meet Jesus, it wasn't in a church and it wasn't from my pastor. It was in your gym. And so I just wanted you to hear that. And I, I was just, you know, you know, all the P&L and balance sheet and all those numbers, like that doesn't mean anything right now. Like this is what it's all about. That's exciting. And it it is, uh, I think that people are looking for, especially now, you know, there's so much hopelessness. There's so much darkness. There is so much depravity. And and that's the way that the world is, has been, is going to continue to be without the hope of Jesus and eternal salvation. That I don't know how people are doing it. And clearly they're not doing it well. But, you know, when they can come in and they see, hey, there's something different about these people. I need to know what that is because they've got something that I don't have. That's attractive. And so that that is really exciting. Uh, so tell me more about Never Thirst and, and what all, obviously you're providing clean drinking water, but what does that look like? Yeah, started in 2007, me and a couple of my friends, we were deeply impacted by David Platt. We were Brook Hills guys and he came, you know, our age, young guy, preaching a pretty radical gospel. Uh, it seemed radical, but it's just the gospel. But ultimately, he challenged us to start traveling, traveling internationally. We did it and our world got wrecked. You know, we live in a bubble. United States is 2% of the world's population. And we think like this is reality, especially in like a Homewood, Alabama, really a bubble. Um, and so to go to Tegucigalpa, Honduras and to see people living in the dump and to go to Sudan and see literally kids dying from diarrhea, uh, it just wrecked my world. And these two guys I've been traveling, we just started praying like, God, what do you want? We feel like you want to do something. And it was a long process of figuring out, like, what do we do? And then how do you start a nonprofit? And how do you build a board? And anyway, God has been so faithful because it's now almost 12 years old. Well, it was 13 years old. And it is growing like crazy. Um, we're literally, I think we doubled last year to this year in um, gross revenue or donations. And uh, the amount of people we've been able to impact, we're coming up on a million people served. And so what we do is we go to the least evangelized places on earth, which also happen to be the hardest to reach. They're unreached for a reason. Um, and we install water projects and it could be a host of different 
projects depending on the area, the soil, the need. It could be rain filtration tanks. It could be deep water wells, a bunch of different solutions. But ultimately, we want to go where the unreached are. We want to supply the water to platform pastors who are already ministering in these villages. Um, And I'll just tell you one quick story. I've got thousands, but uh, we have a pastor in India who literally had been beaten and chased out of a village for years. He was trying to share the gospel and they hated him. They threw him down a hill. Like it's crazy. He brought water through never thirst. And, but we don't care if we get credit or not. He gets to go in and bring the water and they now call him uncle. And a church has been planted around that well. And people, there's a you know a church plant thriving there where he used to get beat. Now he's uncle because, you know, no Hindus brought him water and no Muslims brought him water, but Christians did. And that makes people say, you know, why, why do you care enough about me to meet this physical need? And ultimately that's what Jesus did, right? Through word and deed constantly. That was his ministry. So <clears throat> that's, <coughs> excuse me, that's our vision to support the church planners and to go where the gospel is not. Well, what people may or may not know is that number one, water is a source of life. And so when water comes in, especially in you know these areas that, that do not have access to water, that it becomes a just a community forms around the water source. And so you build a water well, you you bring in some source of water and people congregate around the water. It's just like here, they they meet around the water fountain to talk. You know, there they meet around a well and then communities spring up around the well. And and so it is an opportunity to come in and reach people that wouldn't have come around otherwise. But, hey, they've got something to drink. It's just like Jesus with a woman at the well. You know, he offered her living water. She said, hey, I, I would love to have that and not have to you know, drag this out of the well. But it's the same way. It brings opportunity when you can meet a tangible need. Then it does open doors that, that wouldn't have been open otherwise. So that is really exciting. And so how many of those have y'all established all over the world? We are in said over a million served. Yeah, I mean, we're in six countries now. Uh, you can pull the website. Neverthirstwater.org has a running tally across the top of how many are served and you can look at all our projects amazing videos before and afters um yes i don't know the exact number but it's a lot and i've been you know it's been really cool over the years i've been able to lead teams over there because it's one thing to give it's one thing to show up on a saturday and do a workout with a jerry can and feel good that you got a t-shirt and gave some money it's another thing to go and actually see the well and know that that's where your money went and meet the people who before had no clean water and then see now how that has affected. I mean, the ripple effects are extreme, especially for the women because they're the ones who travel to go collect the water. Now they can go to school. Now they can start businesses. I mean, it's, it's revolutionary. Something we take for granted every day. That's awesome. Now from the restrictions with COVID things of that nature, have y'all been able to, to have the same impact over the last year that you were having prior to that or what does that look like? Yeah, it definitely hurt um, our implementation side. It didn't hurt fundraising. Thankfully, we had an amazing year. God's been gracious. We had a lot of growth through corporate partners. Um, but now we're having to go back and kind of double down on the capacity to make sure we're putting those dollars to work. So, yeah, and even in India, I mean, as you probably know, COVID is still a pretty uh, serious issue over there right now. So that's that's created some issues. So right now you, you've got a successful business. You've got a... Uh, a nonprofit that, that you work on, you've got coaching, you've got all this. 
what is the the next thing that that you're working on? What what's the the latest challenge that you have that you're facing right now? Well, one thing we haven't talked about: married 21 years, four beautiful children, uh, ranging in ages from 18 to 11. Uh, my it's about to be 11. My 11 year old's adopted from Ethiopia. Um, we are in probably the busiest season of our entire life. Just graduated from one from high school. My wife, who has traditionally been a stay-at-home mom, has decided to start a full-time career as a real estate agent. And so any margin we did have has now been evaporated. So, man, we're redlining but loving every minute of it. And unfortunately, I say unfortunately, fortunately, I still have ideas every minute of of what I want to do. And uh, sometimes it just comes down to team and capacity and, and really prioritizing. But the more I engage in the coaching side, uh, the more fired up I get about um, so many men who are just missing that spark. From the outside, they have, look like they have it all together, but you, you you peel back the onion through three or four questions, and I just feel there's this deep, resounding theme of there's got to be something more. And I think especially men in the church, I think they're bored. I think they're whitewashed. I think b- being a moral, good, uh, gentle, kind man is they think that's all there is and while that is true uh jesus was also a warrior he also flipped over tables he also challenged people and i think once you teach men that like this is an adventure and it's the most exciting adventure of your life uh, it wakes them up to the possibility so i can only i can do that a little bit with what i'm currently doing maybe down the road i I do that more Uh, but that's probably the, the biggest thing all right. So what advice would you give to those men as we're kind of wrapping up here? What advice there, there's men out there all day, every day. I, I meet them. I see them. I talk to them. Uh, they are just going through the motions. They're, they're checking boxes. They're going through the motions. And financially, they may be perfectly fine, but they know that they're they're missing out on something. Uh, what would you say to those men? It's going to sound odd, uh, but it'd be stop lying. They're lying to themselves. They're lying to other people. They lie through commission. They lie through omission. They lie about where they are. They either hype or hide. They talk about how good it is or they hide and don't put themselves out there because they're scared of failing. And a lot of men aren't ready to do that publicly. I would say most men aren't ready to do that publicly. Just be real, be transparent, talk about what's not good as well as what's good. But what you can do is start with one guy and find an accountability partner or find an accountability group. But you got to be with guys that you trust that, you know, would go to war for you. And you just got to be honest. Maybe you need to tell someone about your pornography problem. Maybe you need to start there. Because if you don't think that's impacting your business, if you don't think that's impacting your marriage and your being, I'm just using that as one example. It could be anything. It could be drinking. It could be uh, addiction to money. It could be gambling. I don't know what it is. Um, But what we try to present is this buttoned up image of I got it all together and I don't have those issues, especially at church. And so we don't talk about them and we don't share. So we lie and we cover over. And how you doing today, brother? I'm great. How are you? When in reality, I fought all the way to church with my wife. We're on the verge of divorce. On Instagram, we look like the perfect couple. And all of a sudden we announce divorce and we ask everybody, please understand. And the feeds fill up for people. Good for you. Making a great decision. Glad to see y'all are staying friends. Well, where was the man six months ago when needed to show up and challenge that guy to love and serve his wife. Like, so anyway, I get a little passionate about this stuff, but quit lying, man. We lie to ourselves. We lie to each other. Find somebody, at least one guy 
that you can be ultra transparent with. And it's a game changer. I think that that is so important. And and I was one of those guys years ago. And, you know, I would show up. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's perfect. And, and for me, it was getting in a small group. It was being transparent with my small group leader, other men who challenged me, held me accountable. And, and then I started developing my relationship more with the Lord and realizing that there is a better way. And, you know, getting real and, and airing things out and then stopping that behavior, really, it, it transformed my life. So I think that that is great advice. You know, I, I think there are a lot of people that don't even realize that they're lying to themselves. They don't realize like they've been doing it for so long that they just they're so used to it. And again, as men, especially in this society, you know, we're, we're taught not to show weakness. And so from that standpoint, it's it's not modeled enough that it's OK to not be OK. You know, just just don't stay there, you know, figure out a way to, to work through it and and find somebody that you do know and trust that loves you and wants to see you do better. So I think that's great advice. So as people are wanting to you know, learn more about you, uh, learn more about Iron Tribe, how, what are ways that, that they can learn more about Forrest Walton? Uh, follow me on social, um, at Forrest Walden on Instagram, Forrest Walden on Facebook. Uh, I've got a podcast called Tribecast. And just so you don't think I've got it all together, you can go to episode number 15 or 16. I don't remember which. It's the most listened to, most commented on episode to this day. And it was my journey with depression. Full-fledged, wanted to end depression about three years ago. And I cannot tell you the number of men who have sat in this office and said, I listened to it. I need to tell you my story. And it's the hidden epidemic among type A driven entrepreneurs. Um, So anyway, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you what's going on and not act like I got it all together. So anyway, that's a great place. Uh, I I have a lot of great guests and we talk about what they're doing across body, being, balance and business. Coaching program, ex3impact.com. Uh, you want, if you want to see what that's all about. Excellent. Well, I definitely appreciate you being here. And if you've enjoyed this episode like I have, you know, please like and follow us on Facebook. Share this with a friend that needs to be encouraged. Living Life on Purpose on Facebook. And then also Living Life on Purpose always on Instagram. And we appreciate it. We'll see you again in two weeks. <laughs>